And whether you've recently experienced a sexual assault or you're the survivor of a sexual trauma from your past, it often feels insurmountably hard to reclaim your identity, your self-esteem, your confidence and your sexuality, of course. Survivors are all too often left to reassemble their lives without support. This week on Ask Dr Josh, we're tackling the very real and very difficult issue of healing from the trauma of sexual abuse. If you have questions, comments, if you feel you're able to share your experiences with us, then please do call in and join the conversation. Alternatively, you can SMS or WhatsApp. And I should just say that some of the content we'll be discussing tonight may be triggering, but we will do our best to create a safe space. And also, we know that the rates of sexual violence in South Africa are among the highest in the world, particularly against women and girl children. But we also know, of course, that men are victims and uh, would uh, ask you, if you are a man listening in this evening, to feel safe and comfortable to share with us and to please join the conversation. Tonight on Ask Dr Josh, how do I begin my journey of recovering from sexual abuse? Dr Josh, welcome. Great to have you back with us. Thank you. Good to be with you, Sarah What are the most common feelings that will arise in someone who has been sexually violated? And do they tend to vary and how over time? (laughs) <laughs> it's not funny. That's a big question. Um, it, it, uh, I think a lot of this, you have to set the context of where, when, how long, and with whom. Mm. I think those, it is important it's because it makes, it makes a difference. None of it is good, but there is a difference between, um, if you will, a child or an adult who was abused as a child uh, when they were maybe five years old to eight years old, and then it stopped, versus um, somebody who was abused as an adolescent, versus someone who's abused as an adult, versus someone who's had it all their whole life. So, like, the, the, the trauma has a lot to do with the developmental stage of the person in terms of when it happened, and the duration of that trauma over the course of whatever number of days, weeks, months, years. That will change the overall trajectory because particularly with younger victims, their sexuality and their their concepts of intimacy are developing as compared to an adult who maybe it has been developed and now maybe is shattered um, and has to redevelop it. So it makes a big difference about age age and, and developmental stage. Does it have to be a, a legacy that one bears for a lifetime? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say cautiously, and then I'm going to explain. Yes, it does. It, it will forever change your life. Uh, assuming you remember, again, assuming it, you weren't mm. so young that you don't remember, but let's make the assumption that you remember it. Yes, it is a trauma that will forever change your life. Does it have to define your life? No. Does it have to ruin the rest of your life? No. But will it make you approach intimacy, sexual intimacy, sensuality, connection, and all of that in a way that is potentially quite different from someone who hasn't been abused? Yes. Yes. But, but many of us have had significant traumas, including sexual abuse, who live very fruitful lives, very productive lives, 
very fulfilled and healthy lives. But that scar is there. It doesn't go. It doesn't go away. Mm. Mm. I want to go straight to some of the messages that are coming in to us. Uh, one from Anonymous in Makassar who says, uh, I've been married for two years uh, and haven't told my husband that I was sexually abused by a family friend when I was a child. I'm scared that if I tell him, uh, it will bring everything up again. Is that, uh, is that, a, is that a, common, uh, a common response, the, the fear that yeah. it will just unearth everything again? So this is a, that's a really it's a good question. It's, it's actually a very common scenario. Um, we see it, here's when we see it on the mental health side. If intimacy, relationship issues, connectedness, um, trust, any of those things, and let me say this about sexual abuse, um, the, the consequences of it are not just within the sexual realm. So issues of trust um, become, can become significant independ- in a relationship independent of anything that has to do with sex. So what ends up happening is, like in this case, she's afraid that it's going to bring up old issues. Um, the question becomes, are you having challenges in the relationship now? Is, is there anything that is going on in the relationship that is leading you towards wanting to share with him? That's one scenario. The other is, or is it that you just feel that you should share it with him because you're in this, you're married. And, and let me tell you, there are different times and different situations in terms of bringing it up. I would say this, though. In a married relationship, particularly if you've been married for two years, even if it's not an issue, even if there are not problems with intimacy or trust in a relationship, it is probably something you want to share with your significant other. It will trigger some feelings, but a lot of times the anticipatory anxiety around what it's going to trigger is greater than what it actually triggers. So with that in mind, how does one go about sharing that sort of information, particularly if you have been married for two years? And, and it may come, uh, of course, as a shock to the other person. There may be issues around, well, why haven't you told me previously? Do we have a trust mm-hmm. issue in the relationship? All of these things that mm-hmm. might come up. Well, yes, yes, and that's part of being in a relationship. So, so how do you bring it up? Um, so the first question that you have to answer for yourself and that you would share with your significant other is why haven't you brought it up? Because just to your point, Sarah Jane, they're going to say, oh my God, we've been married for two years, you never brought it up. So, so be prepared before you ever bring it up. What's your answer going to be? Mm. What is your answer? It could be, it could be just what your, your listener said. Look, I have, we have had such a good relationship that, and I was fearful that those old wounds, those old scars, if I brought it up, would come flooding back. And to be honest with you, that's why I didn't tell you. But I am telling you now. You know, so there is there is not a right and wrong way to do this. And if you have been keeping it for a reason, but you feel that it's time to share it, then you explain why you've been keeping it. And trust, if you're going to share it, that your partner loves you. And just because they may be hurt that you haven't shared it in the past, they're not going to abandon you now. They're going to be grateful that you have shared it. How important is it, and, and we're speaking in, in terms of telling your partner, your significant other, but there will be people who are listening in tonight who perhaps haven't told 
anybody, not a single person. Mm-hmm. How important is it to find somebody who you can share with, even if it is just one person in your entire life that you just share it with? Because I, the burden of carrying something like that alone uh, and, and the emotions that we were talking about at the beginning um, would just be overwhelming, surely. Um, yes, although I will say there are some individuals, and, and we're all wired a little bit differently. There are some individuals for whom this experience has been, um, it's over. It's been packed away in a way that works for them or they believe works for them. And they, are, you know, they may be listening right now and thinking, God, I don't have a problem with intimacy. I don't have a problem with trust. I have good, healthy relationships. This is something terrible that happened to me in my past. Um, I don't want to share it with anybody right now. I guess what I would say is there's nothing that says that you must find somebody and you must share it in order to be healthy moving forward. What I would say is this. If you are struggling in any way in your life with communication, trust, attachment, sexual issues, intimacy issues, relationship issues, and if you sort of put two and two together and said, gosh, I wonder if, I wonder if some of this might be stemming from, then A, yes, you can tell a person, you can find somebody who's close to yourself, but B, particularly if you've packed it away and now it's starting to bubble up a little bit, this is the kind of situation that you talk to a mental health professional about. Mm. Because there's somebody... Who, who, let's just be honest, your pain to help navigate it with you in a way that still keeps it completely safe and in a safe environment that even your best friend may not be able to guarantee for you. That's why I'm a big advocate of if you have abuse in your history at any level, of any past, and you feel that it's impacting you in any way, Talking to a mental health professional who specializes in this is probably the most prudent thing you can do Mm. because it keeps it safe and confidential. Mm. Mm. Is it possible to heal without forgiveness? And I know that's an enormous question. (laughs) You know, you and I covered this topic, right? We covered the whole idea of forgiveness. Mm. Um, and, And so I will, I will go back to the definition that I use of forgiveness. Forgiveness means no longer owning or harboring the ill feelings that somebody else has caused you on a daily basis. So what I mean by that is forgiving them, meaning I am going to, the the betrayal that you have caused, the harm that you have caused, is no longer going to, to stew in me day after day after day. Because here's the thing. Once this has happened, once this terrible thing has happened, you as the individual who has been violated, your emotions are still your own. They are your responsibility. You can blame the other person for causing it, but the only fix is for you to learn how to manage it or let it go. That other person, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing anyone else can do. So by saying, I forgive you, meaning... I'm no longer going to be attached to these emotions, then I say, yes, do you have to 
Do you have to forgive them and say, I'm no longer angry at you? No. You can be angry at them for the rest of your life as long as that anger is not taken over your life. Mm. What I'm hearing you say in all of this is that really there is no prescriptive way to heal from the trauma of sexual abuse. People are going to deal with it uh, in as many different ways, that there, as many different people as there are, there will be as many different ways of dealing with and, and recovering from. Um, but what I heard most importantly you say was that this doesn't have to become uh, uh, something that affects your life negatively for the rest of your life. Yes, and that is where professional help is so critical for what you just said. Mm. People deal with it in different ways, but I can tell you there are ways of dealing with it that are not healthy. Mm. There are ways of dealing with it that lead to problems down the line. Um, so whether that is dealing with it by simply um, packing it away in a, in a state of denial and then as relationship issues are coming up, trust issues, maybe intimacy issues are coming up, not not looking at the origin and saying, well, that's got nothing to do with what happened to me in the past. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem with you, my partner, and you, my friend, and you, my husband, and you, my wife, and everybody else, when the reality is you may very well have intimacy issues, trust issues, problems bonding with somebody. That's not a healthy way of coping by simply blaming everybody else for the current problems that you're having as a function of the horrific trauma you dealt with. Mm. So what I'm saying is, if you look out in your life, and the key areas that we see as a function of sexual abuse in terms of later life problems, problems with anxiety, problems with trust in any sort of close relationship. So it doesn't have to be an intimate relationship. It can be a close relationship with a with a friend or a co-worker, um, problems with sexuality and sexual comfort, problems with fear over abandonment or harm, any of those things are, are quite possible if you've been abused. And so my point is, if this is happening in your life and you're not connecting it to the previous abuse, it's possible it's not related to the previous abuse, but I'm going to tell you as a mental health professional, if you, the first question I'm going to ask you if these things come up is, do you have a history of sexual abuse? And if so, then there's a very good chance that, that what you're seeing now is a function of you sort of trying to adapt and not adapting in the most healthy way. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Josh, thanks uh, as always for helping us deal with these really difficult topics uh, and thanks to those of you who sent in your messages and comments and questions. We appreciate you too. Uh, Dr. Josh, we'll chat to you again next week. Thank you, Sarah Jane.